Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for, Pastor, allowing me the time to share this wonderful Word of God. And we want to thank our pastor for, he's been laboring so faithfully among us for for almost a, a year now, solid, straight, without a vacation. So we want to continue to keep him in our prayers throughout this week. He'll have a sweet retreat and uh, be encouraged. I know he tells me he has a, a lot of things to do around the house, but uh, maybe he'll slow down a little bit. But uh, let's turn our focus now. Redeeming Grace Church is all about the Word of God. We are all about the Word of God. I've been working at a church this week, and I was curious of uh, what this church believed. What, what word are they preaching? And the first thing I read, it said, have you ever been to a church and been beat up? Have you ever been to a church and beat up? Well, we will welcome you here, but we will not avoid the hard things. But the question is, is that, I don't know about you, but where the Holy Spirit has shown me, we have a great disease. And we need to be wounded. We need to be humbled. But God has that remedy. And we're going to see this in this. So, if you will, please take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 22. This week, as I was trying to prepare for this message, I really didn't know what to preach. I didn't know what to... I'm just searching. Lord, like, where... Where do you want me to exhort and encourage your people? This is the last place that I ever wanted to really go. This is, uh, as the proverb says, a word fitly spoken in season is like gold and you know, an app, like gold in settings of, of in settings of gold. Every single word of this psalm needs to be cherished. Every single word of this psalm should be taken into your closet and adored. Every single word. If you will, you've heard the old English adage, it says, a picture is worth a thousand words. In Psalm 53, we have the theology of the cross. In Psalm 22, we have God's commentary on the cross. So this Messianic Psalm is written by David almost a thousand years before the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let us hear now from the Word of God. And please know this is, I'm going to ask for your endurance to persevere. There's 31 verses here. And this is a lot to cover. And really all I'm doing is just taking a rock, skipping it across the water, that you may be stirred up in your own private devotions to endure. To, to, to seek out this. I'm going to try to give an outline for you to further dive into. So let us hear Psalm 22. This is the word of the living God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear and in the night season, and am not silent. 
But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I'm a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake their heads saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let Him rescue Him. Let Him deliver Him since He delights in Him. But you are He who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while I was on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there's none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at their mouth with me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. And you have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have circled around me. The congregation of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. And I count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divided my garments among them and my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword and my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify Him. And fear Him, all you offspring of Israel. For He has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has He hidden His face from Him. But when He, sur- but when he cried to Him, He heard Him. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I pay my vows before those who fear Him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and He rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before Him. And even He who cannot keep Himself alive. And will you please join with me and read these last two versions. A posterity shall serve Him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare His righteousness to a people who will be born that He has done this. Amen. Let us pray. Father, Your servants are listening, O God. Will You please speak to us. Lord, it's as if You're standing right now in the midst of Your congregation walking among us telling us to take off our shoes. We are standing on holy ground. Lord, please forgive us of our backslidings. Please forgive us of our lukewarmness. Please forgive us, O Lord, for our familiarity with Your Holy Word. Father, we want to love You more. 
As the psalm writer says, Lord, will You open the eyes of our hearts. Open the eyes of our hearts. For we want to see You lifted high and lifted up, shining in the light of Your glory. Lord, change us this day. We ask You, please do this for Your great namesake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, first I want to just go over some groundwork. And this is basic 101, but I think it will help us. I got a couple of questions. What is sin? May we never forget this. Sin is only a lack or conformity to the moral character of God, of the law of God. And we sin by thinking evil, speaking evil, and acting evil or omitting good. Romans 14.23 tells us, whatsoever is not a faith is sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Let us never forget that. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Romans 14.23 In 1 John 3.4 we read that sin is the transgression of the law. Next question. So what is the consequences of doing this? The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 So, the question we have to say is, how does God see our sin? How does God see our sin? In Isaiah, he says, the whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. God, our Maker, is revealing us like a, a faithful physician has come in to diagnose his patient. We are totally and completely sinful. Every thought of man's heart is evil continually. So what does it matter if you're dying of cancer? You're dying of heart disease? The problem is, the great thing, the, the, the thing that you have to focus on is that you're dying. You are dying. We, each one of us is dying. Death will be our arresting officer that will seize us and bind us and take us to the judgment seat. We all will face it. We may be tempted to think, well, this is not describing me. What we are, that was what we are before Jesus saved us. In Christ, we're saints now. Don't fall into this trap. Is, is it true? Are you, are you spared from this? Does a saint, does this keep you from lying? Does a saint watch unquestionable things on TV as Pastor already mentioned? Does a saint go dishonoring to dishonoring websites? Does a saint get impatient with those on the roads? My wife can test to that. Make no mistake about it. You and I are sinners. We are sinners. God is not describing the pagan nations around them back in Isaiah. We have to understand this. He is not describing the pagan nations around Him. But God is speaking to His own people. Romans chapter 3 tells us clearly of, an, of, of more about our condition. No one understands. 
No, not one. Man is unable to comprehend the truth of God and God's standard of righteousness. That's the key. No man has the ability within himself to understand the standard of God's righteousness. That's why you see always Ray Comfort asking, do you believe you're a good person? And you can ask his video, watch his videos, and I would say 98% say, yes, I'm good. They have no understanding. They're spiritual ignorance. And until the Spirit of God opens the eyes of their hearts, they will never see it. And we too would have never seen it. So, the big question I have, I want to start before we plunge into this great text. And it's wonderful. It's been a big burden upon my heart this week and uh, so inadequate for this, this weighty text. But the big question I have to you all that I want to charge to you is, so how can God keep His Word and reject the sinner in His sin and yet say, I'll never forsake Him? I'm going to read it again. How can God keep His Word and reject the sinner in His sin and yet also say, I'll never forsake you? Let's just now turn to Psalm 22 and we'll see the answer to this. I want to give you an outline. So, so this is profound. I've never seen any... I've, I've never seen any... I mean, I've never really saw clearly the, the divisions of this Psalm 22. But it is so beautiful. A lament is a basically a deep grievance and sorrow of the heart. It's okay to lament. It's okay to grieve and let God know what's upon your heart. And we're going to see this. And I want you to understand, please see this. May the Spirit of God show us this is our, our faithful guide to our conduct. This is a guide to our conduct. As Ms. Lillian informed me right when I came to Berean years ago, she said, you know, the Lord has one university, and it's the university of suffering. And that is so true. So in this, I want you to see, we're going to see the two main themes of this right here, the two pillars. That In this text, we have the humiliation of Christ, and we have the exaltation of Christ. And within each of these, the humiliation we have laments. There's going to be three laments. But for every three laments, there's going to be a response of faith mixed to it to respond to that sorrow. Faith grabs any weapon possible and fights. On the other side of that, we'll see is exaltation. And that's all going to be thanksgiving. In the midst of the believers and to the ends of the earth and that God has promised a seed forever. So, I got this outline. It's kind of a combination of, I want to give credit to John MacArthur and uh, Dale Ralph Davies that showed, and I, I, I learned that there's a trail of faith through here. Pastor lives close to the trail of tears, but there's a trail of faith here that's so beautiful that I hope we all will see that faith responds. Faith stands. So, if you look at verses 1 and 2, we're going to have the first lament. The first lament is silence. The first lament is silence. Remember these laments by the three S's. 
We're going to have silence, scorn, and solitude are the three laments of the deep sorrow and grief. And in that solitude, you know ultimately sin wants to get us alone. And when we're alone, that's when the satanic hosts come. And I hate to say this right now, but I often think this was the fall of Ravi Zacharias. This is the fall of Ravi Zacharias. Sin wants to get you alone. And a satanic host, come. And that's why we have the local church. It's for sanctification of one another and to hold each other accountable. That is God's provision for a means of grace. And God forbid. Do you know, every time you put a hedge about it, Satan will come with another. You want a greater job offer, but you'll have to leave the, you'll have to leave the state. As soon as you put a hedge about staying saturated in God's Word, being a one another church, Satan will, will come. The satanic host will come and say, "Do you really? Are you like he, as as he tempted Christ? Are you truly the Son of God? Are you truly a child of God?" Let me put the bait over here for you. Every time, every time, every time. But listen at this. My God, my God, this is the beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is His fourth petition on the cross. The fourth petition on the cross. The first petition, do you remember what it said? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they say or do. Forgiveness. First petition. On a suffering, on a cross, on a cruel criminal's cross. Crucifixion uh, was not common in David's term, David's time. This is before. He knew nothing about this. So how does David know about this? Acts 2.30 tells us David was a prophet. So as the sun, as the star shines in the darkness, the sun comes out, has, has the star. So the sun has David. So that's what we see. This is a messianic psalm. But here we see, yes, David suffered, but not. This is the suffering Lamb of God. He suffered for his own sins too. There's no sin here. None. So we hear the silence here. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear in the night season and am not silent. Again, I said this is the fourth petition from the cross. Golgotha is the same. This is the midday midnight. This is, uh, they say around the ninth hour, I believe it's in Matthew, the Gospels. So the second petition, the Lord, uh, I believe the second petition is He says, this day you will be with me in paradise. And you know who He said that to? The thief on the cross. The third petition, mother behold your son, son behold your mother, John and Mary. This is number four. My God, my God. It's like fate clutches with both hands to God. My God, my God. Fate clutches with both hands. So what I want to look at this right here is why? Why is there silence? Why is there silence? Haven't you received silence in your prayers? Number one, it's an atonement. Number two, as sinners, we do not deserve to be heard. So why did Jesus have to be baptized? 
to be identified with sinners. He is the sinner representative. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And third, He's the high priest to intercede. It shall comfort you to know that Christ has been where you are this very day. Our Lord has already set up the example for you and I, and He bids us to follow in His footsteps this morning. Let us draw near to the man of sorrows and hear from Him. Hear from Him, beloved. Hear His words. Let it comfort you and be like a bomb to your soul. Satan's chief object is to make you abandon your prayer closet. He is make, he, he's saying, forsake the closet. Give up private devotion. God doesn't hear you. Never draw near. For a prayer is all just fancy and fallacy anyway. Let us spurn every thought from that pits of hell where that comes from. Let us grow more earnest in prayer. You remember in Matthew eleven twelve, 12, it says, The kingdom of heaven suffereth violent, and the violent take it by storm. Take a battering ram to the gates of heaven and keep banging it. Keep banging it. The old Puritan said, Cold prayers ask for denials, but red hot prayers prevail. And chapter and verse is that is faithful prayers of the righteous availeth much. The faithful, affectionate, fervent prayer. That's a red hot prayer. So bring your battering ram and keep banging. So we see in this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So I want to bring this down to a practical level quickly. Why does God, why do our prayers go unanswered? Number one, I believe it's because of our own sin. Psalm 66, 18 says, if we regard iniquity in the heart, the Lord will not hear, hear us. Number two, James 4, 3 says, we pray in the wrong motives. We have a lack of fear. Number three, we have a lack of fear and reverence towards God. Number four, Paul pleaded often, Lord, please remove this thorn from my side. And God said, my grace is sufficient. But the delays for that were the training school. That was a training school. Oftentimes these delays are training schools. And number five, God is sovereign. The Almighty God, the potter can do whatever he has, he desires to with the clay. And number six, and this is the positive note, oftentimes when a street performer plays, you want to hear his talent. You want to hear the sweet sound coming from his instrument on the street before you give him a token of appreciation, a token of gratitude. So oftentimes, God just wants to hear our voice. He loves His children. He loves to hear their voices. So, so oftentimes, it's just saying, I want to hear your voice. Our first business is to believe. Prayer without faith is basically, prayers without faith have no blood in them. Prayers without faith have no blood in them. So right here, we see silence as the first grief So, our hope, we look to the mercies of God. So, you see right here we have silence as the first, as the first lament and the cry of our Lord. 
from this cruel cross. Look how faith responds in verse 3. Look at this response. And this is profound. Here's how faith responds. But you are holy. Enthroned in the praises of Israel, our fathers trusted in you. That's Yahweh. That's God's covenant name. They trusted in you. Delivered them. They cried to you. And were delivered. They trusted in you. And were not ashamed. Have your prayers ever been unanswered? And you responded in this manner? This is convicting. But basically what our Lord is saying, though you don't answer me, you're not unjust. You're not untrue. You're not unfaithful. He's appealing. Faith appeals to the character of God. Faith is appealing to the character of God. And let this be our example. When our prayers seem to tarry, appeal to God's character. Appeal to God's character. So, he looks back and he and says, our, far, our fathers trusted in you. So the covenants of God is nothing but the support of the seed of the faithful. The covenant is a support of the seed of the faithful. And Satan has been after that seed from the garden. We're not to question the holiness of God, but let this be your resolve and agree to use this as a petition for your plea. So no matter what tempest comes from, what trial comes your way, no matter what beats upon you, faith is like that old coral rock that stands firm no matter what the tempest brings towards it. No matter how much it roars, this becomes an island of your salvation for our shipwrecked souls. So no matter how it roars this ugly head and beats upon you and beats upon you, faith is like that coral rock which becomes an island of our salvation for our shipwrecked souls. So no matter what, remember what Job said, though you slay me, yet I'll praise you. God is holy and there's no, absolutely no unrighteousness in Him. So if we continue on, let's go to the second lament is scorn. So if you look at verses 6 through 8, this is scorn. Verses 1 and 2 was silence. I've always loved this verse, but I am a worm and no man. A reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me and they shoot out the lip and they shake their heads saying, He trusted in God. You can hear the sarcasm. You can hear the insults. He's used, they're using His own word against Him. They're hitting at the object in the heart of your faith. And that's the way the enemy does. He will hit and aim at the object of your faith. He will turn and use God's word on you. But we know. Let Him deliver Him since He delights in Him. They knew He delighted in Him. What a testimony. They knew He delighted to. They knew if they brought accusations, He would be guilty for delighting in God. Is that true of us? Do others know that we truly delight in God? 
So the mockings and ridicules are nothing but poisonous bullets that go deeper than the flesh. They strike to the heart. They strike at the heart. David knew this in such a small measure. But what do we have to do with the son of Jesse when we had the son of God here before us? Uh, Look at this verse 6. But I'm a worm and no man. Let us ponder this for a second and look at something as a contrast. This is fully God and fully man. It's like saying, hold up. The Lord of glory to be brought to such an abasement and to think that we're any better. God help us. The Lord of glory brought to such an abasement and we think we're better. Notice a worm is below a man's foot. Is below man's feet. I never have really seen this before, but if you look at this, I am. Remember in John chapter 8, and we see it all throughout the Old Testament, before Abraham was, I am. And I am a worm. Wow. Did you know that the word humility stems from the scientific word humus, which means dirt. John MacArthur brought out, and that me, uh, my background being a biology major, I was really interested to learn more about this scarlet worm. And I thought this was so amazing. This little worm was, has such a picture for us to help us. This worm, this scarlet worm, I, I can't pronounce the Greek word, I'm not even going to try to, but... Uh, this worm would embed itself in the wood and make a covering, like almost like similar like a covenant, for it to bring forth birth to its little ones. This worm is called a scarlet worm in its original context. This worm would be crushed and used to change the garment's colors to crimson. And when it gave forth birth, that, that, that covering there would protect the little ones until the age they could be on their own and then it would die. And when it died, it stained the tree. And this is a scarlet worm. And this is the context our Lord uses in regards to the, the, the Greek, the, the, the Hebrew meaning of this worm. But this is, this is far greater than this. This is not just changing of the external garments of the clothing. This is the changing of the external position in eternity. So, if you look at this, I read this in uh, the Treasure of David. David uh, Spurgeon has such, was gifted with such a great mind to, to give pictures to help drive a point home. But think about this. An angler uses a hook, a hook, an angle. That's what it's called an angle. It's really called an angle. Angler that uses an angle to catch his bait. To catch his uh, fish. But if you think about this, think, think about the sea. It says an unbeliever is signified by being tossed to and fro. So the ocean offers no stability. And, so, and they, they, it talks about the, 
the sea monster being a great Levithon, the great monster of all roarings, of all instability, of being tossed to and fro, of all chaos. So, here was the great Levithon, the sea monster, which represents the dog, the dog of hell, of seeing this worm as bait. And going for it as a bait, but didn't realize it had a divine nature. And the hook caught him. So, the Lord told His disciples, I'll make you fishers of men. And who were to fish with? The worm. The worm. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's saying, I am a worm and no man. We're to fish only with Christ. He says, I will make you fishers of men. So, we see say, the enemy of God coming towards this worm, believing that he would just devour the kingdom of God and put an end to it. But he didn't realize that that divine nature was his hook that would kill him and destroy him. That, that would be the crushing of his head. If you will, let's continue on to the uh, verses uh, 9 and 10. So we had silence in 1 and 2. We had faith's response in 3, 4, and 5. Scorn in 6, 7, and 8. And now we have an appeal to faith again. Faith responds to the scorn and mockery. Faith's in verse 9. But you are He who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while I was on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for is none to help. Do you see faith appeals now to the personal testimony? First it appealed to God's character. Now faith appeals to God to the personal testimony. So we always have the person and the work. So let us have used this. First, God, You are holy. You have always been faithful. And then Your work. So we see this as Christ, as our Lord Jesus Christ is telling us, You took me out of my mother's womb. I had no earthly father. My mother was poor. In Your provisions, You had a census come about that led me to Bethlehem. <clears throat> And you have been my God. Do you remember when the Lord, they came, you know, it was Passover week, and they couldn't find Him. And they, they wondered where He was at. They went back into the temple, and they found Him. And he, and he asked questions to them, to His parents, not in a disrespectful manner, but the Lord said, Why doest thou seeketh me? Don't you know I must be about my Father's business? This is as a child. So, providence testifies for faith and draws time when Jesus was the weakest. Jesus was the weakest as a child. And in God's providence, there was provisions there to protect Him. Is He going to forsake Him now as He's an older? No. Nothing changes. God never changes. Faith utilizes every means of grace and faith finds a weapon everywhere. First in God's name, 
second in what he's done. So if we keep traveling, uh, we look now to the third lament, which is solitude. Solitude is going to run from verses 12 through 18. Solitude. We're going to see solitude gets bombarded. It's like uh, Pearl Harbor. It gets bombarded by satanic hosts when there's solitude. Satanic host bombardment within solitude. Listen to the Word of God here, verse 12. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I'm going to stop there. To picture the scene, midday, midnight, I say that because at one time, half the world had light, half the world didn't, and God shut darkness. Darkness was a representation of judgment of sin. So, in these last hours of our Lord's life, we see these strong bulls of Bashan. What this represents, they had this, this area was known to have large plots of land, and these bulls were very well fed and fat. Basically swollen with pride. That's swollen with pride. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. These people, these Jewish, his own people that he came unto, surrounded him like beast. It's like they could not vomit their insults fast enough. They could not get their hatred out fast enough. When we look at this right here, but can't we all, in a way, reflect before the Lord and before the Spirit of God opened our eyes? We hated. We were at enmity with God. We were at enmity with God. So my question is, where are you today? Where are you at at this cross? Where are you at at the cross? So, if you look in verse 14, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. This is... Our Lord describes His own personal condition. The wrath of God is being poured out. The wages of sin is coming to full the full brunt, the blunt of the dregs of the of the wrath in the cup of God, the wrath of God. The full price is being paid here. All my bones are out of joint, so hanging suspended in the air between heaven and earth, we have our Lord suspended. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt. My tongue clings to my jaws and He has brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded the congregation of the wicked and the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet and I count all my bones. The zeal of His Father's house had eaten Him up. The zeal 
of his father's house had eaten him up. So here, and it says, uh, they divided my garments among them, and my clothing they cast lots. Don't you see the callousness of the hardness of their own hearts? Gambling. It's like, beyond an expression of how hard our nature is. When our, our, our hearts to see that this is our nature. This is our nature. Christ is here. It says they divided His garments among them and they cast lots. So, through Adam's sin, we all were naked. And we became that way. And Christ became naked, the second Adam, the second federal headship. They stripped Him of His clothes that all flesh which is naked before God shall be covered. That is so beautiful. That all flesh, that all flesh may be covered. So if you will, we've looked at those three laments and this is the final plea. The final. Where faith appeals with urgency in verses 19, 20, and 21. So we've had three sessions of laments. Now this is the third response. With faith responds to the final lament. Faith appeals with urgency. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. Oh, my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen. Faith returns and wants nothing but God. Remember the shortest plea, one of the shortest prayers in the Bible? Lord, help me. In the greatest sense of the trial, the urgency grows greater and, and the words become greater with urgency and fervor. Lord, help me. This is the last degree in plea to make haste. Notice, this is the last degree. Remember the first degrees that we went through? We, we had remember God's character and remember the personal testimony. His person and His work and then the urgency here. So the last cry is for rescue from death. And this prayer is answered. This prayer is answered. So remember the first gospel called Proto-Evangelion from Genesis 3. God the Father preached it and said, the day you eat of this tree, the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. God cannot lie. And Satan coming to them, tempted them, and said, did God say? Did God say? The day you eat of this tree, least you shall die. Took Scripture, twisted it, used it against them the same way. Nothing's changed. But, as you know, the first Gospel, God comes and after asking Adam the question, asking Eve the question, and then the questions are over. And says, I will send a seed into this world. 
There will be enmity between your seed and the seed of the woman. You shall bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. So, if, you, if we look at this, look at verse 21 and look at the end of that. I call it 21b. And most of the times it's set apart in Bibles. You have answered me. You have answered me. This prayer was answered. So I ask a question here. We go from all this pain to praise. So I ask the question. What divides this? What happened here? What's going on here? Can anyone take a guess? The resurrection. The resurrection. If you will, turn with me to Matthew 28, verse 9, and we will see this. Matthew 28. I'm sorry, Matthew 28, verse verse 50. Matthew 28, verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up His Spirit. And then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earthquake and the rock split. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And the coming out of the graves after His resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now if you flip back, Listen at verse 22. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Where, was the heart of the, where is the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ today? It is with His bride. It is with His brethren in the midst of the congregation. In the midst of the assembly. You who fear the Lord. So we'll see this. This Thanksgiving is twofold. The body of believers to the ends of the world. So this is our example for holy praise. So we've seen our example of conduct through suffering. Now we see it on the flip side of His exaltation that our duty is twofold. First, we start with declaring His name. His name. God has revealed Himself all throughout Scripture at different times to His people to reveal his faithfulness and reveal more of who he is. Jehovah Kanah, Jehovah Sikkanu, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nishi, Elohim, Shaddai. These words are for comfort. Fear not. Let us praise our Redeemer. Never stop praising him. So if you look in verse 23, we'll continue. You will fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify Him and fear Him. All you offspring of Israel. If you look there in verse 23, this is the three, our Lord's exhortation. It says, praise Him, glorify Him, and fear Him. That's our Lord's exhortation. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify Him. 
And fear Him, all you offspring of Israel. Let us sit down and just meditate and chew upon the holiness of God, His attributes. Preach the Gospel to ourselves. Glorify and glorify Him just means whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it unto the Lord. Fear Him. Constantly keep the Lord before you. Let Him always be at your right hand. So if we continue on, for He has not despised nor bored the affliction of the afflicted, nor has He hidden His face from Him. But when He cried to Him, He heard Him. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before you, before those who fear Him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. Now we're going to the second part, which is to the ends of the world. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. That is the process of conversion. That is the steps of conversion. First, we must remember, and then we turn to the Lord. So he's pleading that everyone repent. There's a, there's a, a call. God has commanded all men to repent. All men to repent. As the old legend Constantine said, his cross is the instrument, instrument of our victory. Let us, the church, flee from programs, ceremonies, buildings, schools, but go forth with a sling and stone. If you will, look back in verse 28. For the kingdom is the Lord's and He rules over the nations. For He shall reign forever and ever. The Word of God remains. Isaiah 40. pastor just read over it. Uh, I think a couple weeks ago or last week, the grass withers, the flower fades, and the Word of God shall stand forever. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Let us come to what Solomon concluded. The preaching of the cross will win the world. But all else, as Solomon concluded, is vanity of vanities. So we look at this, all the prosperous of the earth in verse 29 shall eat and worship and all those who go down to the dust shall bow before Him, even He who cannot keep Himself alive. Even He who cannot keep Himself alive. So it's telling you to be utterly dependent upon the Word of God. That He who began a good work will finish it. He is my meat indeed. He is, and His blood is my drink indeed. So His body, is a, the incarnation is our food that we eat upon in His humiliation. His blood is His exaltation that which is our drink. That's our atonement that we read about in Leviticus. We heard it this morning. The word means at-one-ment. To be at-one, to be reconciled with God. So in verse 30, it says there will be a posterity. That's a seed. We shall serve Him and it will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. What a promise. They will come and declare His righteousness to a people who will be, who will be born. 
that He has done this. He has done this. What is the this? Salvation. Redemption. He has purchased it. He has done this. So, in Psalm 22, we have the Lamb of God. We have the sacrifice. The sin offering that was accepted by God. Psalm 23, we look and we have the priestly work. We have the shepherd. If you look over at Psalm 24, we have the King of Glory. Do you see the progressions? So, I, there's no other application I have this morning, but I'm just going to read from Psalm 2, verse 12. It says, Kiss the Son. There's nothing more that can be, do, can be done. Kiss the Son. It says, Least He be angered. Least He be angered a little. So, So let us pray. That's all I have. So, Father, You are holy. Lord, we see Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, suspended between heaven and earth. Lord, it's my sin. Lord, but we thank You, the great lover of our soul, that You didn't leave us to ourselves. That You plunged us beneath the, the, the blood of Your Son from that grave inside which flowed. Lord, this is where sin has a double cure. Lord, we thank You that You have done it all. We thank You, Lord, that You elected us, You called us, You adopted us, You saved us. Lord, we bless the covenant of Your grace. Lord, in Your death we live. In Thy resurrection we have peace. In the ascension is our resting place for our hope. And in Thy prayers, our comfort. We thank You that You pray for us today that our faith will not fail. And that's the only reason why, Lord, Lord, we see You in this psalm. Your faith was beaten. Your faith was limping. But praise God, it was victorious. Lord, we are victorious in You. There's no other victory in You. You've done it all. Lord, help us to love and trust You more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.